Memorial Day. It was first widely observed in 1968 or 1868 as Decoration Day, and it was set aside to, to decorate the graves of those in the Civil War. After World War I, it was expanded to do all veterans who served and gave their lives. In 1971, Congress made it a national holiday. You say, Pastor Mark, why are you telling us this? Because you know, if one of the new Pays Apprentices came into the United States this weekend and turned on the television, they would think that Memorial Day is about mattress sales, car sales, furniture sales, every kind of sale. That we're remembering the sale. That's what society is bombarding you with. Let me tell you, mattresses will always be on sale. In fact, I made an arrangement with my daughter, Auburn. I said, you know what? Any day that you can show me that a mattress is not on sale, you don't have to go to school that day. She had perfect attendance up till last week, which wasn't having to do with a mattress sale because they're always on sale. But we surround cookouts, barbecues, going to the pool, having friends over. But I wanted you to remember what Memorial Day was truly about the sacrifice that was given for our freedoms. There are few that tomorrow will be remembering the sacrifice that was paid. They'll be at cemeteries. They'll be decorating graves, flowers. There's also a, a march that's going on that's been catching called Carry the Load. They're relatives of those who have given their lives and they're walking in remembrance of the load that those young men and women gave for our country and the freedoms that we have. We have the right to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. We have the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. We are a blessed nation. Amen. We are a very blessed nation. But we have to remember the price that was paid for it. Amen. We're also thankful because to a born-again Christian, every day is Memorial Day Amen. of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I'm going to take you to a very familiar passage today as we discuss God's Word. And maybe it's just a different insight in the way that you've ever heard this passage before. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 26. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 13. And it says, Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon, a man who had suffered from a skin disease. And while Jesus was sitting there, a woman went to him with a bottle of very expensive perfume and poured it on his head. Verse 8, the disciples were irritated when they saw this and they asked, why did she waste it like this? It could have been sold for a high price and the money could have been given to the poor. And since Jesus knew what was going on, he said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. Verse 11. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me with you. She poured this perfume on my body before it is placed in a tomb. And I can guarantee you this truth. Wherever this good news is spoken of in the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Memory of her. What is our memorial going to be like when our life is over? When somebody looks back and mentions your name, maybe a generation from now, what will people think about you as an individual? What will your family say? 
You know, it'd be nice to think that we'd be remembered generation after generation, but pretty much it's going to be the next generation that will say, you know, let me tell you about your grandparents or my dad or my mom or your aunt or your uncle or a really good friend of mine. But what will your memorial be? What will they remember? How many lives will we have touched in our lives? Will our life be spent so consumed on ourselves and everyday little trivial things that keep us from really reaching out and touching other people? Fulfilling our role that God has created us for? Or will we be self-consumed in just ourselves and trying to get through? The woman in today's Bible message that we read actually touched the life of Jesus. Now think about this. Throughout all of the Gospels, everything was about Jesus ministering and touching other people's lives. That's, that was his reputation. He came to serve. And in this passage, she, in a very simple sacrifice, touched the life of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful way to look at this passage. He was so captivated by her sacrifice that he proclaimed that whenever this was read or talked about, that she would be memorized as somebody who gave and gave sacrificially. It was one act that demonstrated what her life was all about. This Memorial Day, we celebrate, we remember the priorities of those who have given their lives for us. They gave the supreme sacrifice. John 15, 13 tells us that no one shows greater love than he that lays down his life for his friends. So hopefully this weekend we as a nation will pause, not for just good barbecue or some great swimming or sports on TV, but to truly remember the sacrifice that was paid for a nation. I think that when we forget, we become unthankful. Amen. Our actions as individuals and as a church also demonstrate our priorities. What is our priority as a church? Is our priority to have the biggest campus, the highest cathedral, the biggest parking lot? I'm gonna let you in on something. Sometimes pastors brag about how many parking spaces they have in their parking lots. What an odd num what an odd thing to argue. I'm I'm being honest with you. It's this numbers thing. How many campuses? Multi campuses, that's the new in thing to have multi campuses all networked. I as a church would like to be known with how many lives that we changed and transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Ms. Shauna. Thank you, Leah. You see, what will the church of this generation be remembered for? Will we be remembered for preaching the gospel? Will we be remembered for loving those who are unlovable? For reaching out and touching people? Or will we be remembered for how good our coffee was? Or how comfortable our chairs were? Priorities priorities. Philippians 2.4 says, don't be concerned only about your own interest, but also be concerned about the interest of others. Amen. You know, Wednesday night, and it, it was moved to Wednesday night because of some weather that came through Tuesday. So I could have said last Tuesday night. 
we as a church went out and took time to walk the streets of our community. And we prayed. And I asked several, because we actually met at Brahms to celebrate all the calories we walked off. But as I was asking, what, what was your thought for tonight? And I got all different types of responses. One was very honest and said, you know, at first I was just noticing the lawns, how nice the lawns and shrubbery was. And then all of a sudden it started dawning on me about what you've been saying, Pastor Mark, about houses and lives being representative. Also another one shared with me that it amazed them the lack of community. The very few people that we actually saw walking out around or even out in their yards. That comment kind of stuck with me because we've become a, a, a very isolated society. We can pull into our garage, hit a button, garage doors go down, we can stay inside. And with internet, we can have everything brought to our house if we need to. Shop Amazon. But it also means that we're not going out and we're not talking to other people. We, we possibly may know our neighbors on either side or, or possibly one or two neighbors, but do we know our entire street? Do we know their names? Do we know about their lives, their children, what their goals and ambitions are? What, are they going college, trade school, military? What, what are, what's happening in our area? See, we have to be about concerned about the interest of others and not just about the interest of ourselves. This is what the message of Jesus Christ is all about for, the, for us as a body of believers to constantly be reaching and touching other people and not saying, well, if they show up in our church, then yes, we'll love them. We have to go get them. We have to go love them where they are. We have to bring them in through a message of hope and peace. And when they do walk in the doors, love and greet and accept them like the child of God that's been lost and has come home. We have to teach them who they are in Christ and what the Word of God tells them and, and undo all of what society has been branding and labeling them with and telling them that they are precious. That's one of Kristen's favorite words, that they are precious. I know as guys, we don't think we're precious, but Kristen thinks we're precious, okay? But in God's eyes, I think we're all precious. And He loves us. But they've been bombarded by messages that they're not skinny enough. They're not good looking enough. You don't know the right people. You don't make enough money. You don't drive the right car. You don't wear the right brands. Your taste of music is not really what's in right now. And everything has been pushing them, pushing them, pushing them down. And where is the church during this time? What are we going to be remembered for during these generations that are lost and dying and going to hell? Because we've been more concerned about Parking spaces, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting when we look at this passage that this woman took a very expensive jar and poured it on Jesus. And Jesus knew the price that she paid was well worth it. But the disciples are in the same room and complaining about how it was wasted. We could have sold that. We could have done this. Isn't it amazing that you're in this room and a very beautiful thing is happening and our thoughts are, man, that, that's wrong. We should have done this and this and this and this. And we miss the true heart of the whole passage of this. Jesus never disciplined this woman. In fact, he even said she's going to be memorized by the way that she's touched me. 
she knew what was most important. She knew what was most important. If you're working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week and is causing your time in devotions, your prayer, your family, your church, you're missing what is most important. Having money in the bank is really not what you need to be remembered about. Because you know what? They'll fight over that money. They will fight, fight, and tear each other apart for that money. But wouldn't it be nice to know that when we step out of this world and go in, that they'll say love, compassion, humor, grace, mercy, peace. Anytime I just needed peace, I knew that I could go and get something that was just exactly what I needed. A worshiper. Had a worshiper's heart had a servant's heart. These are the things that are truly important. As a church, I'd like to remember as we're those neon kids that were out walking the streets just praying over our community. Praying safety over our cities. Amen. Praying protection. But also as we're walking past those homes, we're praying that the Holy Spirit would start moving in their lives because there will be a season that we'll start knocking on some doors and we're going to say, I just want you to know we've been praying for your community, for your street, for several weeks. Well, why don't we do that right at the very beginning? Because we haven't earned that yet with them. They haven't seen us. They haven't seen us. They haven't seen our love. All they've seen in churches are a lot of conditions, rules, regulations, and judgment. And they haven't seen love. And they haven't seen acceptance. And they haven't seen mercy. And they haven't had anybody teach them what a relationship with Jesus Christ is truly about. And what we have is we have a society of broken homes, broken lives, broken promises, and broken hearts. And we're here to restore. Because that's the calling on this church. To rebuild, restore, and renew. I think everybody we meet needs something restored. That, that's my opinion. Because the moment you start talking to them and you start asking them some questions, you'll quickly find out what has been broken in their lives. And what needs restoration. And we have the answer. We truly have the answer. Right. We just need to get into the Word and discover the answer for ourselves. Amen. We've been freely given. We need to freely give, yeah. is what the Word of God tells us. Amen. There's another woman in today's message that I want to talk to you about that was commended for her giving. Luke 21, verses 1 through 4 tells us this. And looking up, Jesus saw people, especially the rich, dropping gifts into the temple offering box. Now, I wanted you to know that a lot of times the rich would give coins, and when it hit, it made a lot of noise. And that was to impress you, okay? Do you ever wonder why we don't take an offering plate and pass it down? Because all of a sudden, somebody has to look in Greg's eye and say, Give. <laughs> and Greg's like, And Sherry's like, And Greg's like, And Leah's like, And all of a sudden, there's this decision, and you know what? That's not a cheerful giver. 
God loves a cheerful giver. That's why the offering box is in the back. And we've always put our hope and our trust that the needs of this church and what we can give out and what we can support has always been in the hearts that you will give because you believe in the mission of this church. You know that if you sow seed, you will reap just in farming. You know, people come to me and say, hey, my finances are in disarray. I'll say, give. That's not what they were expecting. See, they were expecting this. I'm saying give. Whether you give it to the church or give it to someone, you need to start giving because that starts the law of reciprocity. I'm going way off on topic, so there's no scriptures on this, okay? I mean, there are scriptures not on the screen, okay? (laughs) Giving. Not only money, time, mercy, love, joy. What you sow, you will reap. So if you're lacking joy, guess what I'm going to tell you to give? Joy. Well, you're coming to me because you don't have any joy. So it sounds like we're just having this circle of conversation. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So all of a sudden I'd say, start finding scriptures about joy. Start finding scriptures about peace. What do you need in your life? Start standing on those scriptures. You may not feel like you want to say those scriptures, but you have to believe those scriptures. That God's word is truth and it will not return back to him void. And what he said, he will promise. See, that's the message that this world needs to hear. That's why when I played Ronald Reagan, he had a message that a lot of Americans didn't want to hear. But it was one of the best economies that we ever had. There were some right decisions that were made during that time. Now we have a feel-good government. A feel-good government. Do you feel good? We don't care if it's right or wrong. Is it good? What this passage is talking about is it was not the size of the gift that mattered. Verse 2, it says, He noticed a poor widow drop in two small coins. And he said, I can guarantee this truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others. See, all these people have given what they could spare. But she, in her poverty, has given everything she had to live on. You talk about an amazing faith. That said, I don't understand where tomorrow's income is coming. But I'm giving this. And trusting God that He is your source and He is your strength and not man. It's not the size of the gift that matters. It's the size of our heart in God that matters. Did you grasp that? It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of our heart. Are we truly seeking after God with all of our heart? Because when you start seeking God with all your heart, He's going to have you do some things that in your mind does not make sense. But His ways are higher than our ways. That's what the Word of God tells me. I have to remind Kristen sometimes when she's like, you want to do what? And I'm like, his ways, my ways, okay. See, because there's times where we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to show up on Tuesday nights and start walking in a neighborhood we don't know, wearing a shirt that we probably wouldn't have picked out, but we're going to pray just because we want to see a breakthrough in our community. You notice I said we want to see a breakthrough in our community and not necessarily in our church because I believe that this is going to impact every church in this region. This is not a grow Lake House Church program. This is get people back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a healing message to our community. This is a restoration message to our community. 
What will they remember about us as a church? Tomorrow on Memorial Day, we honor the sacrifice of brave men and women who paid a very valuable price. You see, sacrifice gives up something of value for something that's more valuable. Do you understand? Sacrifice is giving up something of value that is worth more in value. If we have any baseball fans, you, you know this term because there are times when a, a batter, based upon the way that uh, the, the players are on the bases, that they will have to bunt or hit knowing that it's going to get caught, but it advances a runner. So they have to sacrifice their glory moment of being able to run the bases, but they realize that through that action, it's going to bring in more points for the team. And it's recorded as a sacrifice. Isn't that kind of interesting? You see, God's asking us to sacrifice some of the things that are on our agenda for some of the things that are on His agenda. And as we give up what we think is valuable, He's going to bring into us things that are more valuable to Him. Amen. Sacrifice. This woman with a very expensive jar perceived that Jesus was soon going to die. Here, her perception was greater than his disciples. Did you think about that? The disciples that had been walking with Jesus Christ, hearing his teaching, hanging out with him, are just totally out in left field. And a woman comes in and realizes what's about to happen. What he has been telling them is going to happen. Even when he is arrested, they're all shocked and surprised, even though he tells you, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to have to go through this. I'm going to be denied. I'm going to be... What? I tell you, when you read the word, put yourself in that situation and say, God, would I have been one of those disciples that was just so caught up on your kingdom coming and maybe my position in this new form of government that I was so... I want Secretary of Defense or something that I wasn't really listening to what you were saying. I was kind of hooped up in the parade not knowing really the direction that we were going. Amen. And unfortunately, I think in America today, we have a lot of people that are hooped up in the parade and not realizing the direction that they're going. One. I heard one comment this week that really struck a chord with me. I wasn't going to share this. But I heard a comment said, the reason why they separated the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts was for obvious reasons. I thought that made sense. But now that you're allowing gay Boy Scouts in, they have the same objective that Girl Scouts had, the boys. Think about that. The parade is going and we don't know where the direction is. But we sure like the music and the hoopla and the confetti. And I think God is looking for people who's willing to stand against the parade of moral decay in our society. We as a church need to be praying for our society more than we've ever prayed before. We need to be praying for our leaders that God would move in their hearts. That there would be a true revival to break forth in this country. You see, when 9-11 happened, our country was dismayed, shocked, evil was truly exposed, and all of a sudden, 
there was a turn back to God. God bless our country. I pray that it doesn't take an act of terrorism to bring us back to the realization of what is right and what is truthful. Who is our source? Who is our strength? Blessed is the nation because we've made him our Lord. But have we done that in the last two, three, four, five, ten years? We remember. I pray that you get to go to a great barbecue tomorrow. And I pray that you get to go swimming in somebody's pool. And have an enjoyable mattress sale. I pray that you have all of these things, okay? I pray you get the very best price on a Simmons Posturepedic, whatever it is you're looking for. But I also pray that you remember the sacrifice of those who served so that we could have this freedom. Amen. And I also pray that you would understand the sacrifice of what Jesus Christ did on a cross so that you could boldly stand in the middle of Parks Mall and raise your hands if you wanted to and praise God. Because in countries, you would be arrested for that. You'd be arrested for having a Bible in your possession. You'd be arrested at the Cheryl's house for having a, a, a small group or an outreach. Police would drive by and we'd have to put everything up because we didn't want to, to, to be offended. We could be arrested for trying to convert anyone that is not of Christianity. It's happening in our military. It's going to be happening here if we as a congregation don't start praying for our nation. If we don't start realizing why God created us, why God formed us, the purpose that we have, not to just occupy, eat donuts, and breathe air. I'm saying all of this in love. You know, I'd rather have a pastor who's leading me that's passionate about something than just somebody who gets up there and reads a bunch of scriptures and lets you decide what it means. I back everything up with the Word of God. I pray that you go and you take these scriptures and you read this and say, God, is this the direction that our country's going in? Is this the way that you have planned for us? Or is it because the church has become so politically correct, we don't care anymore? People are dying every day and going to hell because they never heard the message of Jesus Christ. More importantly, they attended a church and they were judged. They were told, we don't really like your type here. Or you smell of a substance that we don't approve of. I'd rather have stinky sinners in here than stinky Christians, okay? Because I'll tell you, at least stinky sinners are coming in here looking for an answer. And stinky Christians just want to judge. And this will not be a house of judgment. This will not be a house of judgment. You don't have leadership that judges, and we're not going to allow you to judge. And as people are coming in, people in your environment, people in your neighborhoods, people in your workplaces, people in your classes, invite them to church. Tell them that there's great music, if that's what will get them in the door. Tell them that there's free donuts. <laughs> And once they receive Christ, we give out free grape juice. Little samples like Costco, but they're still great. We'll take them one step at a time and we'll teach them who they are in the Word. And we will love them and we will disciple them and we'll grow them. But today, it all starts with a very simple prayer. That if there's someone here today says, I don't have what you've been talking about, Pastor Mark. 
I don't have the peace. I don't have the joy. I don't have anything going on in my life right now. In fact, I am so broken. I'm just sitting here, numb. I've been numb before in my life. And that's when I cry out and I ask for Jesus Christ not only to come into my life so that I can have eternal life, but that he could be Lord of my life and guide and direct and lead my steps. Because life is a series of decisions and we need a savior. Did you grasp that? Life is a series of decisions and we need a savior that can help us in those decisions. Can I just have everybody bow your heads, please? As you know, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer today. I'm going to have everybody say it. We're not going to have anybody stand or come to the front because this is really between you and your Savior right now. If you do receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you said, it's been a long time since I've really just committed my heart Tell somebody, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Do not be ashamed of what Jesus Christ did. And truly make this a Memorial Day weekend that you will remember the rest of your life. Amen. That Memorial Day weekend, 2013, is when I rededicated my life. Or I led my neighbor in a, say, in a sinner's prayer. Or my coworker that's been struggling. Make a difference in somebody's life. Would you all please repeat with me the following prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I now confess. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ as my Savior, as my Savior. And, I am saved. and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Today's blessing is going to be dual-languaged. I've asked Luke to not only do the blessing today in English, but he's going to do it also in German. Just thought, while we have some of the apprentices still in, y'all are in for about another, what? Five weeks. Five weeks. And then they're going to be going back to their home countries. Also, we have two apprentices that are going to be coming in in the fall. And we need homes. We need to be the church. And I know that there'll be a blessing. So would you like to speak the blessing over us today, Luke? Yes. I will read it in um, German and then in English. Der Herr segne dich und behüte dich. Der Herr lasse sein Angesicht leuchten über dir und sei dir gnädig. Der Herr erhebe sein Angesicht auf dich und gebe dir Frieden. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Walk in his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.